0: Listening to Covenant of Grace Radio, brought to you by Covenant of Grace Ministries in Greensboro, North Carolina. You may also listen to our Bible studies and contact us over the World Wide Web at covenantofgraceministries.com. Once again, that's covenantofgraceministries.com. I'm your Bible teacher, Burley Moore, inviting you to join us now for today's study of God's Word. Today marks the beginning of a very lengthy Bible study through the entire book of Romans. It's been said that if the book of Romans were the only part of the Bible we had, then we would have all we needed to live our lives on earth. That may sound like a rather extreme statement, but it does emphasize the importance placed on the book of Romans. In no way whatsoever do we want to diminish from the rest of Scripture but simply point out the mighty truth found in this power-packed epistle. Within these pages you will find what God says about our sinfulness, our need for the imputed righteousness of Christ in order to be saved, how to live a sanctified life, the assurance of eternal security, and the absolute sovereignty of God in all things. To help us understand the importance of this book, someone remarked that what a skeleton is to the body, doctrine, doctrine is to the Christian. If a person is not well grounded in Bible doctrine, then he's compared to a skeletonless jellyfish. Romans is one of the most important books in the Bible because it is filled with doctrine. It is filled with teaching, Bible teaching, Doctrine, the doctrine of God. The epistle to the Romans is the most systematic description of the great doctrines of the Christian faith in all of Scripture. As we study Romans, we're going to learn the meaning of such terms as depravity, grace, justification, sanctification, imputation, and glorification. Romans gives us a foundation for the assurance of our salvation and vital Christian living. We must admit that this book is perhaps one of the most difficult in the entire Bible because it is all meat and no milk. However, I want to remind you that the only way a genuine believer can grasp the real meaning of Scripture is to depend upon the Holy Spirit for enlightenment. A thorough study of the book of Romans has been referred to as a theological education in itself. Martin Luther called Romans the chief part of the New Testament and perfect gospel. Someone else has referred to Romans as the cathedral of the Christian life. All of these descriptions of the book of Romans point to the importance that it has for every Christian and our need to study it. The entire Word of God is inspired, and all 66 books are important. However, Romans is one of the most significant books in the Bible because it teaches basic truths about salvation and fruitful Christian living. As we begin our study in Romans, we discover that the first chapter gives us an introduction and background to the book. To most people, letter writing is a chore, But with today's modern email and texting, people would rather use their computer and cell phones than to compose a proper letter by longhand. In fact, few people actually have the ability to write interesting letters that others want to read. I said all of this to remind you that God saw fit to communicate much of the New Testament in the form of letters. We call them epistles. The book of Romans is a letter written over 1,900 years ago by the Apostle Paul to the believers at Rome. Paul's desire was to visit Rome on his way to Spain. Rome was the world's chief metropolis during Paul's day, and he wanted to ground this strategic area with Christian doctrine. We begin in verse 1 as we look at the writer of this epistle, and the writer was, of course, Paul. At the time of this writing, it was the custom to put the writer's name at the beginning of the letter rather than at the end. And very appropriately, he uses his Roman name of Paul instead of his Hebrew name of Saul. We begin Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Let's stop there a moment. Paul identifies himself as the writer and a servant of Jesus Christ, or in other words, he describes himself as a bond slave. Slavery was widely practiced by the Romans, and at the time of this writing it is believed that there were more than a million people in Rome, and at least half or more were slaves. We're told that some of the Romans owned as many as 500 slaves. Paul was not approving of slavery in the way it was practiced by the Romans, but he was using it to teach a spiritual truth in relationship to a believer's submission to Jesus Christ. Before his conversion, Paul probably enjoyed the Jewish recognition of being called rabbi or master, which was a title of honor upon their teachers. But now we see how his pride was transformed into the humility of a bondslave. slave. In saying that he was a servant of Jesus Christ, he was not referring to himself as a hired servant, but the very property of Jesus Christ. I think this is what he was saying, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Listen to the way he put it, as he wrote then to the Corinthians. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The will of a servant is a will that is surrendered to the will of his master. Paul goes on and writes, writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also, he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. From this we learn how every Christian is supposed to be a submitted servant to do the will of Christ. We are no longer in bondage to sin, but set free to willingly and gladly serve our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, who has bought us off the slave market of sin. Now, notice how Paul said that he was called to be an apostle, indicating that it was not a mere personal choice to enter the gospel ministry, but a divine summons. We read on now in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be. An apostle, a God-called preacher, is the only kind that a Christian church should recognize and accept. The word apostle means one who is sent, and today there are no apostles in the same sense as there were in the early days of the New Testament. It primarily referred to the twelve disciples that Christ chose to follow him and to Matthias that replaced Judas. Every New Testament book was written by either an apostle or under an apostle's supervision. In biblical times, the term apostle referred to a person who had the authority to speak on behalf of another. There were two basic qualifications for Christian apostleship that we learn from the replacement of Judas in Acts chapter 1. First, They had to be personally commissioned by Christ as an ambassador to represent him. Secondly, it was required that they personally witness the resurrection of Christ. Now Paul, who is writing this epistle under divine inspiration, Paul was both called by Christ on the Damascus Road and also witnessed his resurrection. Just like Jeremiah, God had plans for Paul before he was ever born. In fact, this is what Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 1 and verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. There are some that believe Paul was to replace Judas rather than Matthias, but that is not my personal position due to the fact that the disciples prayed and sought to follow the will of God. Paul describes himself as the least of the apostles who was born out of due time, meaning that he had not been with Christ during his earthly ministry, but witnessed his resurrection on the Damascus road. The office of apostle does not exist today, but ceased with the death of those that Christ personally called. It's interesting that Paul never did use the word apostle as a title nor refer to himself as the Apostle Paul like some would use the word today reverend and I do not like to use that word. I don't like to use reverend unless I have to use it on something that is, uh, that is legally binding and I, have to, and I have to use that term for, for legal purposes or for purposes that, of that nature. I like to tell people I'm not a reverend. I work for he who is reverend. So, some people use the word reverend, and some people use the term doctor. So, some people like to use those titles today. But very humbly, Paul did not use the title Apostle Paul. He just said that he was Paul, an apostle. Paul declared that God is the one who separated him unto the gospel of God. We read on now in verse 1, separated unto the gospel of God. Separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Separated means to mark off by boundaries, to limit or to set apart. And in Paul's case, he was set apart to preach the gospel. The gospel of God is the good news The good news promised in the Holy Scriptures all the way back into the pages of the Old Testament. The prophets of old promised the coming of the Messiah to atone for the sin of the world. They did not proclaim the gospel as we do today, but promised the fulfillment of it in Jesus Christ when he came in the flesh. Every part of the Old Testament leads directly and ultimately to Jesus Christ. Listen to Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. From the very first book in the Bible, Genesis 3.15, God promised the coming of a Redeemer. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is seen by type, symbol, and statement. Paul's purpose for living was to preach Christ. And like Paul, Every Christian has been separated to fulfill a unique purpose. And without doing so, we'll never know the Christian life at its best. Thank you for joining us in today's Bible study. You may contact us and listen to Covenant of Grace Radio by looking us up on the internet at covenantofgraceministries.com I'm your Bible teacher, Burley Moore, inviting you to tune in again at this same time each week Until our next broadcast, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.